Welcome, fellow crossers. We've made it. This is the final episode ever. Oh, I'm getting kind of sad. Mm. ABC's The Crossing Podcast, the place where we discuss all things crossing related, going in-depth on the episode you just saw, exploring the science behind the fiction. Joining us for this final episode, the creators of The Crossing, Dan Dworkin and Jay Beattie. Hi. Howdy. Hey, guys. I'm ABC Radio's Jason Nathanson, and guys, we did it. We did it. It's over. It's over. The final two. We just all watched the final two episodes of the show. Let's get into them. Episode 10, titled The Androcles Option? Yeah. Am I saying that right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Hope so. <laughs> That's how I said it. Uh, give me the, uh, the origin, the thought behind that title name. It's that, the, that wasn't my title. Who? No, I thought it was your idea to use the Androcles legend, though. It was no, we can't. It was it was that's the 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 tiger that gets the thorn pulled out of his paw model. Right, I believe that was Mike. So. I don't think so. Or maybe Mike mentioned it to you, and you mentioned it to me. Because you mentioned it to me about using, and I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. So and we turned it into a kind of a Robert Ludlum title. But now I forget. Like. <laughs> but now we have to cut all this because I forget exactly what the myth is of Androcles. It has something to do with a lion, I think. It's that, but it's that, that oh, now we sound like idiots, it's, which is perfect for our final podcast. Fantastic. This is where like the curtain is pulled back <laughs> and we're revealed to be complete morons. <laughs> I love it. This is all staying. Um, there's, okay, there's a Greek myth that has to do with, with Androcles and it has to do with helping a fearsome former... Um, arena antagonist, line. and then in in helping them, they become your your asset. So it, obviously, the parallel is that Jude's going to break Reese out, and she's going to help him. Gotcha. Okay. So usually, in structure wise, uh, the penultimate episode is the where everything happens, and then the final episode is the reckoning of all that kind of stuff. Did you guys? Have that in your mind is this is how TV usually goes or no? We just knew that the last episode was going to be The Great Escape. That's okay. pretty much, I think that's all that's, uh, and, and we had some of those and we really wanted some of those other things that we really wanted the Caleb reunion with Rachel and, and all, all those things. But as far as the big kind of narrative backbone we knew we were building to the great escape in the final episode, and I think that's all we knew. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't think about necessarily what had to happen before that. We reverse engineered stuff from there. I feel like okay, right? Is that is no? That, that's true. That, yeah. I think it was the great escape, and then it was also about you know how these people in Port Canaan who you know they are going to have to break the law to break break all these people out of a camp. You know how is Marshall involved? Um, and then Diana becomes very useful because of her, you know, future knowledge, knowledge and skills with technology. So it, it was all reverse engineered. From but that. then she bails. Diana just takes off. She does bails, but her work is sort of done. Okay. You know, she's, she was there to build an EMP device and although she's not entirely sure if it's going to work. So, and just you know, to clarify for, for people to, for coming from episode nine, the EMP device is a different device than what she was originally building for them. Yep. Which was a time. Yeah. She wasn't building that thing for, for them. The, right. the original thing she wasn't building for them. That was for her to know if anyone else kind of traveled, time traveled into the world. Yeah. Because gotcha. they, 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 you know, they hastily left the future. Reese had come to them to say Apex knows about, you know, the time travel. 
device, and although she made attempts to sabotage her own device, she wasn't sure if they would be followed. So she built a detector as, you know, She was for, worried for that bad people yeah. might follow. Oops, sorry, I just knocked my microphone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she left. Um, everything in the show kind of comes about down to the human relationships, as cheesy as that right. might sound, and, and what sometimes you don't, you don't, that's all you think about. Like, she, all she knows is her, her wife is in the ether, is on the lamb. You know, in the wind is what I meant to say, not in the ether. <laughs> and that she can't now help the, these other people because her focus needs to be the woman she loves. That might be the right choice. It might be the wrong choice. But at the end of the day, that's the, that seems like the real choice. And we all do it for love. Everybody does it for love, man. So we're, it, it, this episode opens. Um, Lindauer is talking about shutting down the camp. Uh, Eve says, you got to move up the timeline. They're plotting mass murder here. Um, and one thing also we didn't, get into um last episode paul's death um well that that's this episode uh episode 10, 10. Yeah. is that that that's yeah. in 10 yeah yeah that wasn't a nine? Mm-mm. Oh no no it's 10 right um yeah nine okay. is nine is the episode where he gotcha. tells jude they're gonna kill everyone in that camp right or like jude says that from after paul calls him and then and then in 10 it's revealed that eve uh, taped that phone call and she poisoned Paul. And right. he breaks a wine glass and, and dies. But she takes him to meet his son at the and, Right, and yeah. tests it's she's yeah. testing the poison testing she's, quote unquote the poison. She is just insidious. She gets worse and worse as this I thing know. goes on. She's, we thought we kinda liked her at the beginning, but I mean Nope. It, no. I mean she, she and Lindauer clearly changed places and by the end of by the end especially by the end yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um but you had that going on. How much fun was that to make her get more and more evil. It wasn't even about her necessarily wanting to make her more evil. It was just following the organic story that was being told in a way. And I think there was hope at one point for her that she could probably, I don't think she was planning on killing Paul the whole time, but I think that when they reunited, I think she probably, even though she was scheming the whole time to say, I'm going to get, I'm going to get Paul to make a tape to uh-huh. say that there are cult members to excuse the mass suicide that's going to happen. But I think in my mind, in her heart, like she probably held out hope for that they could be together again. But then when he called Jude and she taped it and real, like to, to <laughs> her, she will brook no betrayal. I think that yeah. was, she's I mean, very rigid. You know, yeah. Her yeah. Ideology, I guess. Now, I mean, after everything she's done to try to, to kill off apex and she's failed, she's had a setback. Now she's got a new plan and she's gone through all this, like to, to have that happen to her, I think is intolerable. And so goodbye. And, and right. And I, 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 I guess she's not evil in her mind. She's doing what she needs to do to save humanity. Yeah. Which is, you know, but she goes to... She might be a little... Yeah, she, she could be a little deluded about... <laughs> about Yeah, but but yes, in she her mind, it's it's She's legitimate. leaving the fabric of human destiny. Um, there was one line in the beginning where um, Nestor, I think Nestor and Diana were talking about the immigrants. And Nestor says, uh, seems wrong to be lucky and then turn your back on the people who aren't. Mm, yeah. And I really like that line uh, yep. about... Yeah. Um, a sense of here's what we have to do for for other people to help other people to, to help immigrants, right? Yes, there. That it was a great line. There, are, there are several, in my opinion, really great moments in episode ten that Mike and Rebecca wrote. Uh, Mike Narducci and Rebecca Sonnenschein. We call them Sonducci <laughs> or Nardshine. 
I forget which one we settled on. <laughs> Narchine. Narch- I think it was that Sanducci. I think, I think it was Sanducci. Narchine yeah. sounds a little X-rated. Yeah. Uh, Sanducci. There's, and I, like, I love the moment where, oh, wait, is that in nine or two? No, it's in, it's in 10, where Marshall is asking Diana about... The, yeah, how it might change him. How it might change, and, and she says, "What do you mean? Do you mean on a genetic level?" And he's all, "No, I mean like on a level of what your path is supposed to be in life. Like how something like this can like shift you. Like, is it going to make me who who I was supposed to be all along, or is it is it making me someone different? Like, there's interesting right. philosophical things that are raised in this episode that are subtle and cool. Um, and uh, speaking of, of great lines, uh, one of my favorite was, was when um, uh, Reese, now she can't hear, and the Jude's going to oh, break, yeah. break her out. And, I don't um, care who he is. Yeah. <laughs> Jude, in, Jude introduces I Reese can hear to Nestor. I fast. Right? Yeah, I just don't care says, who he is. Yeah. I can hear. I just don't care who he is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, that, a great it's a great line. delivery from her, too. I, I was actually on set that It wasn't, because she doesn't get yeah. a whole lot of chance to be funny in... Yeah. in in the series going yeah. along. She's very determined. She's got to find her daughter. She's very focused uh-huh. on that. And she threw it away so perfectly. It was yeah. great. It was, it was, yeah. It was fun. Episode directed by Alex Jakreski. He's terrific. He's a former DP. We've worked with him a few times on shows, and we were lucky to get him. And we learned Diana's wife, Grace, Grace. Um, is one of the five, I guess, who went with Naomi, right? Yes. So she's off to, to, to wherever they're going to go. Whatever, yep. the, whatever we don't really find out what happens to them, where they are. No, yeah, that that's one of those. Jumping that, ahead, that, that's an element that I guess uh, people who really like the show could have a, a problem with, like <laughs> not knowing. I know if I were a fan, I am a fan of the show, but if I I hadn't, if I were an outside observer, I would. That's a thread I would want to know what happened to those people because we had lots. I mean, they're gonna. She's gonna start a fucking cult. Yeah. And the cult's going to grow. And, like, to me, that's an awesome story about this woman from the future starting a cult. And it was in part actually based on, uh, um, inspired by uh, a movie called The Sound of My Voice with Britt Marling, which was, Hmm. again, the circumstances are totally different, and the story being told in that movie is very different, and the points of view are different. However, that movie is about... Britt Marling plays someone who claims to be from the future, who is kind of a cult guru. and But it's very, it's a very closed kind of... It, the cult, it's, it's in someone's basement. Really cool movie, if anyone wants to check that out. Um, but yes, so that, that idea, having, having taken that idea and expanding it and showing Naomi continue to amass power using as her currency knowledge of what is to come in the future. Uh, I, I always thought it was great. I could, I could write a season of TV about that. Do you guys think there are actually people from the future who might be here who know stuff? <laughs> They're in the news periodically. People <laughs> claiming to be from the future. They are. I mean, yeah. that, that does happen. And here you've written yeah. a show where this might happen. So Logically, I don't. I'd have to adhere to my earlier statement from the last podcast where you can't go back in time. You can't. Okay. <laughs> Realistically. You can't go back in time. Never know, but no. But uh, it's really fun to, you know, to consider that, to ponder it. Maybe they're ghosts. Maybe, maybe <laughs> that explains the ghost phenomenon is, is people from the future come back in spectral form. It's people's brains. It's just people's brains. Just people, firing it's just off. people being insane. Yeah. Chemically imbalanced humans. Not even chemically imbalanced, just trying to explain things that you can't 
rationally understand, so you make up a ghost. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. I think. I heard one last night. I have, <laughs> well, I have this thing in my... I swear, I am lying in bed sometimes, late at night, like trying to go to sleep or whatever, and all of a sudden, <laughs> I will be hit by this smell. Like I swear, like 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 is it sulfur? No, it it is kind of sulfur. (laughs) Yeah, it's like sewage. (laughs) All of a sudden, maybe this is too much information. But I swear, but this is the weird thing. That's your own fart. I I, I poke no, I poke my wife, and I'm like I'm like, there's that smell again, and she's like, what are you talking about? There is no smell, and I'm like, no, I swear to God, it was just like a very brief sewage type smell and I'm like is it the dog because we have a dog and I'm like it's not the dog and she's like go to bed and I'm like no there's something going on and I googled it and it could be ghosts even though I don't believe in ghosts but they say ghosts sometimes they fuck with you by bringing a smell into well, since the house. we're on this tangent yes it, it reminds me of when I went back to Vancouver for I guess the last time to work is this a sewage show. segue it's a ghost oh darn but they put me in this tube <laughs> bedroom like apartment thing at the Sutton I remember and the first night I was sleeping there I, it, I guess this is a night terror officially not yeah. not not quite a ghost but I woke up and there was an entity above me what yeah and was I it saw, Rob Bowman no no and it's hard to describe because it wasn't like it was emanating light or anything I just had this sense that there was this thing above me and I screamed at the top of my lungs grabbed my pillow <laughs> which is you know blunt force instrument yeah. and, and was swiping at the air and screaming at the top of my lungs to the point where I screamed myself hoarse oh my god dude and then spent the next like hour just all jittery and going like do I just continue to sleep here what's going on but I don't you know I don't believe in the anything like god a soul so of course there's no soul no ghost and yet <laughs> i've had that experience time travelers i'm telling like, you why are you guys discarding my theory so quickly yeah. it's maybe time it travelers okay well i think it's why is it hovering above my bed it's naomi making that smell in your house and maybe <laughs> that's what i'm gonna call it from now on honey it's naomi again so, Jesus, shut up about Naomi. we're in los angeles and we live on top of natural asphalt we're the largest supplier of natural asphalt that is true and it that smell comes out like the librea tar pits that smell just comes out why is it coming to my room though <laughs> and why only to my house a little tar i know where you live and i know where i know where he lives it's much closer to where you live it than is. where he well, lives but we have, we do smell. have a septic system by the way at my house so oh, well, so but okay. that would be but it's not because i can i can walk right outside and go nope it doesn't it doesn't that's not it, it doesn't smell so anyway, we should really do a we could do a whole other podcast on this. We the, this will be the spin-off podcast. Yeah. Uh getting back to the actual show though, Sophie comes Sophie. into her own in this episode. Hey, right? Sophie Sophie Scar takes things into her own hands and then just and I, again talking about favorite lines. Uh, that was a B twelve shot, you bitch. I, knew, yeah. I know. That's <laughs> that's great. one that would have been a complete hashtag, or maybe <laughs> maybe maybe is like. But I mean, again, if if there were if this wasn't airing on a Saturday, <laughs> and and our viewership had built rather than declined precipitously, like that would have been a people would that again can't take credit for that one. That was Mike and Rebecca. That was great. But we go back and forth with: Is she going to take the shot? Is she not going to take the shot? Is she yep. thinking about it? It might kill her, but in the end. She takes the damn shot. To lose. Yeah, yeah, why yeah. not, right? Yeah. yeah, and and that's kind of when you're at that. It's it's like the immigrants themselves too. They're the the migrants or the crossers or the commoners or whatever. Um, they have to do what they have to do to survive. So they're going to take any chance, and that means you know trying to get to the long piece or whatever. They're going to do it. Um, the will to live, and then her eyes go red. Did you notice that? Yeah. Because it's funny. We, we made it really... Initially, we scripted it as red eyes, 
and then we got some initial visual effects because that was done with visual effects, not with contacts. Okay. And we got some initial visual effects tests back on that, and it was just too red. And we, we our fear was always it looked too much like uh, like a Marvel show, you know, like it was uh, like okay. going to look like superhero. So we dialed it way back, and I wasn't sure people would even really notice. But I'm glad you noticed. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Watching on my laptop. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> yeah, I was able to to tell there. Yeah, um, that's just kind of an extension, I guess, what's going on, you know, molecularly in her body. Because if you remember from like episode four, I think it was she takes some of Reese's blood and her own blood and puts it on a slide and looks at it. Right. And there's a very kind of, there's like a light show of it's things like, going on. It's like um, five or six. Yeah. Five or six maybe. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, a, it's just about, which I think for her, like she thinks I've got a 7% chance of surviving this, but something was happening to her blood there. And maybe in the back of her mind, she's thinking maybe I am part of that 7%. Okay. Maybe I can survive this. She didn't really have a choice, though, right? Sure. Yeah. It was either that. It was either that, or or, 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 or well, I mean, I she had. Know. She was either, but either she had to consider her own. She was dying anyway, so in that respect, she didn't have a choice. Where she did have a choice was to take to heart what Reese was telling her about the fact that, like, starting Apex is the end of everything, and like by by you or anyone yeah. else injecting this stuff, it could potentially start Apex. So that's the choice she made. But like, I mean, how can you even without seeing the future and knowing Reese's experience, how could you even comprehend what she might be starting? Right. right? I mean, right. yeah, I think most people difficult. would do it. Yeah. And maybe a little bit, you know, as a scientist, she might believe that we can, you know, uh, we Apex can can bloom into something different. She's I can take it a different way. Right. You know? That right. was that was a season two thing we were we were talking about exploring too, was we called it I called it the Apex Fertility Clinic storyline, which was like <laughs> Sophie becomes uh, basically kind of a uh, a missionary for this technology in a way. She's She's been touched by it in this way that fixed right. her, and it was miraculous. And so she, of course, would want to get this technology to as many people as possible, knowing, like we set up in season one, that she believed it could be a cure for so many things. So what she doesn't realize in kind of this enterprise that she would have embarked on in season two, the Apex Fertility Clinic, whatever that, whatever that looks like, is that she is actually you know, falling right into the trap of starting Apex. Right, right. And, and, but, so, and there was a potential for her to kind of go a little dark, and well, as, as, you there know. other big surprises. She could be fanatical we were, we were about it. Of. I would imagine in season two, she was going to go dark. I mean, you planted those seeds, right? Yeah. That I mean, that was, I, was I don't, gonna, I don't think we were going to start, originally we said, okay, the end of the finale, like, she's clearly gone Darth Vader, but, like, I think we were going to pull back on that in season two and have her start like in a good place. Like just saying like, you know, someone who in a heartfelt way wants to spread this technology, look what it did for me. It can help other people. But then when she gets pushed back against that, like then she would really kind of, um, take matters into her own hands. And And there's all sorts of implications there. Like once she effectively, you know, becomes apex 2.0, how Mm. does that change the future timeline? What happens in the future? Um, or maybe that's what it was always meant to be, right? Possibly, and yeah. That's and then how the future it pits her against to. Eve and the you know the first, the, you know the, the first wave migration, because they're trying to wipe out that seven percent of humanity, which would include right. her, because we clearly know now she has that genetic marker. But and would it put her pit her against Reese as well? Well, you, you'd have to figure out what is Reese's motivation. Does she believe Apex should exist? Because if they release something that can kill 7% of the pipe. It's going to kill Reese too, right? Yeah. Reese, Sophie, all gone, you know? So 
Reese would, I think, would have but to I would confront have, the decision, like, should Apex go and should I go with it? I would have to imagine in season two, you guys would have a fight between Sophie and Reese. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's, yeah. That's, yeah. that's where... Come on. I think that's I mean, where... I mean, again, that's where it was going, I think, just to use the Star Wars model. Like, in my mind, Sophie was eventually going to become you know, Darth Vader and Reese right. was Obi-Wan or what, right. well, you know, there's probably better, better analogies, but that's, that's the idea. Right. Cause I mean, and then, but it, it could also go either way. Cause Sophie does kill at the end, but she kills the guy who was coming to kill her. Right? Yeah. Self-defense. So that's self-defense. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's murder. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic to watch. <laughs> um, let's see. We had also just as a side note, we had, um, and originally for that last sequence, we had a piece of music. We had Pink. For, we had Attempt in. We had Pink Floyd's "Time," which uh-huh. I don't know if you know the song, but if you don't like listen to it, it's super cool. It's it's you know it's a '70s prog rock epic right. with, with a huge like instrumental lead in, and it fit perfectly. And the title of the song is "Time." Yeah, and like it just seemed like the coolest, best way to end the season. And then we couldn't afford the song, <laughs> but, but, but the music's cool that we have in there. But like, it was just an epic use of of music, and then it just, uh, it just I still have I still have it as a quick time though. Let's so try I'm to like, recut it and put it on YouTube. That's 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 a lot. That's, that's allowable, right? That's easy to do because fans yeah. recut everything and do yeah, absolutely. Like just, that's true. Just, just do over make a fan it. account. Yeah, oh, that's a good idea. Or we could put it on Twitter or something. We could if, like link it yeah. to Twitter. If any fan is listening, they could. Uh, Oh, we'll put it on Rick Moon's website, too. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. All right. Cool. Um, let's see. We talk, Well, we talked about uh, Eve and the sun and, and going to watch that and, 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 uh, and Paul dying. Um, let's go to Eleven. I mean, we've been kind of going back and forth with both of them, but Eleven, just to get mm-hmm. to, to the title, uh, these are their names. Mm-hmm. These are the names, right? These are the names. These are the names is the title of that mm-hmm. one. I know, I know the explanation behind that, okay. as opposed to the, the Androcles <laughs> option, which I completely just... forgot. That's just those are the first lines of the Book of Exodus, which I didn't, okay. I, I didn't know. But in in my mind, I always thought again, this finale was the Great Escape, but it was also Exodus, as the pilot was kind of Exodus as well. But this was, you know, right down to the slow-mo line of refugees walking through the snowy forest, escaping their oppressors. Like, that, to me, was Exodus. And so I just started Googling in an attempt to find a cool title like this and that and Exodus, and I realized these are the names of the first words of the book of Exodus, and I'm like, that's awesome. And why the choice to open with, we learned pretty quickly that we know... Because he's uh, Jude's testifying or you know, whatever he's doing, um, that the the refugees or the immigrants, the migrants get away, mm-hmm. right? We so we learn that. So instead of revealing that later on, you know, we go into the episode knowing that. Why was that? I think we just wanted to mix it up. I mean, we figured it's the finale, and we we should just go big, and just try to. Th- throw as many interesting narrative curveballs at people as possible and just like, you know, keeping them uh, unstable in terms of what they thought that they were seeing. So just thought that was a cool idea. It's kind of a tried and true doing, starting an episode with a, 
you can either call it a flash forward, you can call it present and then flashing back, but right. use, using bookends like that, like it's pretty, it's a tried and true way of telling an episode of TV, but sure. we hadn't done it before. So we figured it was like a nice idea here. And then, st- I mean, we just, when we were breaking the finale, we just opened up the writer's room and said, craziest, just throw the craziest ideas you have out uh-huh. there. And that's how we got the, the dream sequence at the beginning and the idea of the, the narrative playing with time and, 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 you know, ending the escape, I think, at the end of Act 4, instead of normally you had ended at the end of the episode. So we had right. two more acts to fill in at the end, which was kind of painting ourselves into a corner, but I think worked out. And yeah. And then um, now the camp is in snow, which kind of <laughs> yeah. struck me because we hadn't seen... I guess we didn't know what season it was, but it was... They survived landing in the water, so it couldn't have There's, been that yeah. cold. Um, it was cold. <laughs> oh, we it was, there, I know I it was cold. It was, it was cold. actually cold when they were there. Um but the snow, where did the snow come from? I mean, it was just that time of year. I, yeah, I mean, you'd have to think it's, you know, early fall maybe when we start the show. And yeah, and then the snow comes. There's a comment actually from Nestor about the weird weather. Like, it's snowing in the mountains in like episode nine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> we tried really to production to telling, telling us, hey guys, uh, we're going to get snow. <laughs> For your last episode, so be ready. It's um, in that scene in Nine where, where they're looking at the device that Diana had in, in the sheriff's conference room, and Nestor's like, so tell me about this thing. And she says, well, there's atm- atmospheric disturbances when there's time travel. And Nestor says, I wonder if that can explain the snow in the mountains. Okay. And that was us, our <laughs> attempt to set up the crazy factor of having snow two episodes later when you'd never seen snow because <laughs> we knew it was coming. So we tried to cover as it. As cold as it looks, and it was, it's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and then throughout the rest of the episode, you see it's snowing and raining. Oh, and God, yeah. That must have been a bitch to oh, shoot it. When, when, when the refugees are running through that, like, grove of trees and it's all, like like foggy and stuff. There's no fog machines. That was <laughs> fog descended on us. Rain. It's three in the morning. We're running on slushy snow. Ugh. You know, one, one refugee falls into the, into the, I mean, <laughs> that was, that was all real. <laughs> that was freezing. Yeah, um, it was cold. And which is great. I mean, it just kind of became creepy and ethereal when that fog descended. And yeah. It was nice. It was just one of the hardest things I've ever, you know, had to shoot like on set. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, hour 13, it's three in the morning. People are frozen, but, uh, but it looks terrific. And the scenes where, I mean, the people are outside in the camp and they're, they're talking, um, and it, it looks like it's raining on them. Lindauer's in the rain and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's actual, that's actually happening at that point, right? It is. Yeah. And you can't, yeah, I mean, there's rules against killing your actors, right? You, you can't have them get hypothermia and, and stay yeah. outside in the rain for that they're long. They're well, I have to say, they're well... I mean, Vancouver, those crews, you know, they you know, they go through it every day. And yeah. They work, you know, all year round. And there's, you know, glove warmers and feet warmers and everyone's, you know, ready to keep people warm, put them in warming tents and all that stuff. So it's not for me. They're, they're, yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, like it. Yeah, it takes a special breed to... Uh, you're like, thank God there's not season that two. Yeah. <laughs> Film up there again. Um, and then we go to, uh, so we have this plan in place. And how, you guys said you open up the writer's room to, you know, whatever. So how did the plan and all these moving parts have to, to come in place to work? You know, it's like this crazy Breaking Bad type thing. that It, it was would, tough. That we have to work. It was a tough one to figure out. But yeah, I don't, I don't know how to explain how it all came together other than we just had elements that we knew we liked. Like someone came up with the idea of hiding all of the refugees in plain sight, right. huddling them all in that in one cabin. cabin. Seven. Yeah. 
Is there, is there a significance to Kevin's seven? There is not. Okay. Thanks no. for asking that. Because right, usually yeah. when you ask those types of questions, the answer is yes, and we have like some good story, but nope, just seven. <laughs> just, that okay. was just the number on the cabin. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so we shot it. But we just but. were able to, because it worked out well, I, I think. I'm super proud I, of the finale, for the record. Like, I from the moment, like, even when we got the director's cut, I was like, this is really good. This is a really good season finale of TV. And it really just... It's big. Like I said, big and it's cool. So we just had a bunch of elements that people came up with. Yeah. But the, the hiding people in plain sight thing and a few of the other things and re-sneaking in under the the undercarriage of the car. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes it works out. Like you're able to string all those things together in a pleasing fashion. And sometimes it doesn't. And this way, <laughs> this time it all worked out. I mean, we wanted to have a grounded sort of credible breakout, you know, and not do anything too fantastic. So even though there was debate about the EMP device, like, are we going to use it like a real EMP? That was a big stuff? debate, yeah. And we tried to subvert that by having him bring it inside, and that was only, the EMP was only to wipe out the files right. you know, of the refugees because they kind of gambled to think all those you know files probably only exist there because Lindauer has been keeping it secret from the government, you know. Um, so I thought that was a neat detail. And I think I was thinking, too, about the sting, you know, when, you know, how do we kind of pull off this fake out? You know, we only have four people or whatever, you know, doing this escape with a camp that's guarded by 50, you know, armed you know, or so people. But um, the idea of Marshall kind of feels like he's going off the reservation yeah. and then gets himself arrested. But then you realize it was all to hand a note to Roy right. and then get a, a a note back from Roy <laughs> was fun uh, as a mystery yeah, like to that. also Reese escaping and getting into the camp. I like them having to punch each other yeah, in, in order right. to get information yeah. back and forth. Yeah, that was fun. Um, and then you have um, uh, the, also the misdirection where now Jude, which I'm like, Jude, don't go in to try to save uh, Roy, right? It was the guard. Right. Um, just do what you're, you come there to do. Right. And, but Jude has to try to save everybody because right. that's, that's Jude. Yep. Um, and then you hear the shot, but you don't see mm-hmm. who right. was shot until Classic you realize. Classic trope. Yep, that Lindauer is the Lindauer shot. Doyle, is it? Doyle, yeah. Yeah. Um, which we start to learn now that, okay, Lindauer is actually, you know, he is a guy on our side. Right. Like, uh, not our side, but, you know, we like him. He's had a change of heart. You yeah. can kind of see it. You, know, you can kind of see him cracking along. Yeah, the, and the seeds yeah. are, are coming in. And like we, we've talked about before, as Eve gets more and more entrenched in you know murder is the way to do this it he's a human being yeah and i think he's smart enough not to be open to her about the fact that he's i mean she's already sensed he's having reservations but i think the idea that he would have come out and said you know i'm just against this whole thing you're doing (laughs) like that wouldn't have been a sound strategy considering you know he knows what she's capable of right she could have him whacked or whatever so yeah, playing it this way seemed like the prudent. Well, prudent he play. he later in the episode does the most evil thing that you can do to a person is he sends her to voicemail when she calls. <laughs> Where in this day and age, if somebody sends you to voicemail, yeah, that's, right. that's 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 right. up there, man. He could have just done one of those insta insta text replies <laughs> as it's ringing. It's just like f you. Yeah. Um, I'm gone. He threw his phone into the water. Um, and then so. Then Hannah gets electrocuted, and we're worried about Hannah. Yeah, yes. right. Yeah. That was another just just crazy idea that came, and we're like, can we really fit this in? And I think I think that it. So I I think it's great, 
and I haven't heard anything bad about it, but I, I, I could definitely see some people arguing that, well, she yeah, electrocuted the shit out of her, and then, she, <laughs> and then she's totally fine. But So we tried to throw in something at the end there when she's in the barn where, right. where, where Marshall's like, you're not fine. <laughs> there's still and, residual and we need problems. To, there's, and we, we, I, I had this kooky idea about season two, like the only way she can get fine is maybe going to see Sophie. Who's got now? Uh, who's now our new apex missionary? Who right. can like do something to help her, but that might have bad effects. Anyway, so it's just rumblings. But yeah, the electrocution thing was. I thought was you fun. killed her. I thought I thought this is the end of, of the course. season, and uh, I, I I mean yeah. usually I know okay you're not going to kill this person. I thought maybe you kill, yeah, actually killed her. Yeah, we yeah we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then you I mean you want it there to be complications and yeah. consequences, you know, and they can't all get off scot sure. free. And also, for, you wanted some sort of side effect of the breakout, some blowback, right? That was organic to what had happened. So, right. like the idea of the electric fence and the rain, and you know the the. I mean, it all seemed to. It's a nice suspense sequence. The way it's all cut together and the music and stuff, I I, I do really like it. I love. We we did a, we did a lot of uh, electrocution scene research. In the not real <laughs> life, but like from movies and stuff. There's a couple of real good ones out there. If the believers. Was was something was was a piece of uh, a scene that was sent to the director and the DP and and the actress and everyone uh, to to reference before producing the scene, The Believers, yeah. with Martin Sheen from the '80s. It's a horror movie. It's got the best electrocution scene ever. Okay, we'll have to check that out. Yeah, Put that everyone, on the list. If you're as a well. fan of electrocution scenes, um, and then I was I was actually surprised then too, as you know, somebody tackles her away from the fence. I'm like, well, how could? They would have gotten electrocuted too. Oh, it's Super Mom. It's Reese. That's right. Plus, she leaves her feet. So, you know, she's but, knocking her clear. But uh, if anybody could, you know, sustain yeah. that or, you yeah. know, get get involved there, it would be her. And uh, that was because I, there's so many pieces in motion. Yeah. I forgot. Oh, yeah. Reese, who, who just had this, you know, a couple scenes before a montage of killing all the guards or beating right. up all the guards. <laughs> it was non lethal. That was, that was non lethal. Yeah. That's a fun montage. That, yeah, that worked out well, too. Again, I can't, everything just came out better than it rarely happens, but on this episode, things came out as uh, good or better than yeah. expected. You know, we planned for it. This, it was a more expensive episode. We got an extra day or two to shoot, which was necessary. You know? um, we were going to show Reese have some debilitating effects too from the from the electric current. Oh, really? But we, did, I mean, we just had so much else going on. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, again, just how many times can we go back to Star Wars in one podcast? But when, <laughs> but when Vader throws the Emperor into the pit, right. And Empire Strikes Back, and he's like all full of, you know, uh, dark electricity, whatever, whatever the lightning <laughs> yeah, bolts are yeah. that 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 he's radiating with. Like that was kind of the idea, but we didn't really get there. Um, and there was one of the, one line that Lindauer had there um, in their whole conversation when he was talking about how far would you go for peace, mm. um, which I think is kind of one of the central questions that came up, especially in the last few episodes, um, with Eve going one way, going dark, yeah. For, um, and it kind of it, it it made me think a little bit of the question, the the ultimate time traveler question about you know if you would you go back and kill Hitler like those yeah. those kinds of things. Um, is that kind of what you guys were talking about when it says, how far would you go for peace? Yeah. Well, there's an obvious kind of moral quandary that we play with in the the sleeper story, the whole season. I mean, certain people have within the sleepers, Lindauer chief among them have reservations about what they're doing. Uh, Jake, who was the, the gambler guy 
uh, right. in episode five, who was like, you know, I'm never going to see the future, and I like my life now, yeah. and I don't need to do this. So, yes, there's yeah. many levels to it. It was something we were talking about. And I think just as a general question with, um, you can apply it to questions of war. You can apply it to questions of uh, civilian moral, casualties yeah, and collateral there. damage. How much of that are you willing to take in a bombing campaign against the enemy? How many, you know, so, I mean, like you can, ex- you, you can take it all kinds when of places. When we hired Melinda McGraw to play Eve, she wanted to know, you know, how evil is this person, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I said, I don't, I don't think you're evil. I think you, you feel justified in what you're doing. And I pointed to, there's a line in Brothers Karamazov, like Dostoevsky, where he says, I think it's um, Dmitri talking to his brother Alyosha, saying, you know, imagine you're weaving the fabric of human destiny, having in mind to make men happy in the end. But in order to do that, you would have to agree to torture and kill one person, and he says, perhaps that, you know, mewling, crying baby over there. Would you consent to be the architect under those conditions? Mm-hmm. And Alyosha says, no, I couldn't kill one soul, you know? And it's like, where do you fall on that line, you know? Right. For Eve, it's, yeah, I would kill, you know, that one and perhaps hundreds of millions more. <laughs> well, and, I mean, <laughs> for Lindauer, he just couldn't get there. Ultimately, he just, you know. The thought is by, it's, if you don't agree to kill that one person, you're essentially killing thousands of more in the future that yeah. you don't know about. Yeah. Which is tough. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's tough. If they could go back, if they could make a time machine and you could just go back and forth and see how things were being affected. That, that'd yeah. be too easy. <laughs> <laughs> there's another, I just recalled another, I forget, there's another like thought, famous thought experiment along the same lines, which is, I could Google it if I'm out, but it's, the scenario is you're on a bridge over some train tracks mm-hmm. and there's, there's one person next to you and there's a train coming and there's like a cliff. And you know that train's going to go off a cliff unless you stop it. And you can, like, topple this person next to you onto the tracks and the train will stop. Or you can, and that person will die, but the others will be saved. Or you can let the train go off the cliff. Right. And, like, how many people would be able to really push that person off the bridge and kill him? So that's Lindauer versus Eve. Yeah. Um, season two, where, anything that you guys want to talk about where you would have gone? What I feel like we talked about a lot of it. Covered okay. a lot of Already, it, yeah. yeah. Any, was there but, anything else? Oh, I, there was lots of stuff, but woulda, shoulda, coulda. Jude and Nestor would have been really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I like them. Oh, They're yeah. They're so great together. Can we get and, and adding Roy in, you know, we added Roy in yeah. at the end as a deputy. Right, right. Which was really fun. Everyone kind of loved that. That would have been great. You could do a whole show just with Jude and Nestor and Roy. Yeah. I just mean, at the precinct. Yeah. yeah. Just you the could make it a half station. hour. It's like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but in Port <laughs> and then you, And you saw, right, when Roy comes in all, like, tentative and kind of, you know, Anxious but deferential, in yeah, a way. yeah, yeah. And there was just so much, there was so much to play already with those three. Anything else that you guys want to wrap up in terms of the series? Um, gosh, I don't know. I feel like I feel like we just have to leave it. Okay, we have to let it lie. I feel like we've covered a lot. I feel like we had a lot of the uh, woulda, shoulda, coulda moments, and um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean Caleb and Rachel, like they would have had a whole. Lone Wolf and Cub thing. Try, <laughs> oh, yeah. Try, trying to find... Right. So Caleb's with f- Rachel, and I'm sure he's feeling tremendous guilt that, you know, 
his wife does not know that their daughter is alive and is going to, you know, does not be know. bent on. Re- yeah. Does not know, know yet. Does know, does know yet, but he's going to be bent on reuniting them, obviously. Right. The, the, the sleeper, you know, the, the, the restarting of the sleeper plan B to eradicate a wide swath of humanity would have come into play. Yeah. There's a, a bunch of stuff. Okay. But for now, we'll just let, we'll just <laughs> let, let the, the gloriousness of episode 111 wash over people. So for fans of The Crossing and of you guys, what are you working on next that they'll be able to see? Uh, we are moving today, actually, on assignment of the USS Discovery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, boldly we're joining, going. Boldly going to Star Trek Discovery. Or they're in the middle of their season, too. We have some friends over there who are... Uh, writing the show and um, yeah, we're just gonna go do that for like to join them. half a season or something. Just go help out, and then we'll, we will be conjuring up some more original series of our own shortly. That's, yes, that's, no, nothing to report right now, okay. but but yeah, we'll have uh, you back. Probably for not with refugees <laughs> or time travel. Yeah, yeah probably what not. Have, what have you learned about in this whole experience? Oh man. As going going I think forward, you, you you just you have to make your show, and you have very little control over, you know, what happens. You know, launching right. a show, getting it on the air, and and having it reach an audience is largely out of your control. And so, I mean, as a writer, as advice to writers, I would just say, you know, stick to your guns and and write your show and know that the rest is somewhat out of your hands. You but made the show, and you made the show that you wanted to make. We did. You didn't compromise yeah. on. And have fun. There's, there's always little compromises there's always little along the way, but, but you know, and, and you can walk away from this experience going, "We did what we wanted to do." Yes, we made it. Yeah, eleven episode limited series <laughs> that we're very proud of. Yeah, <laughs> it's too bad in a way that like it wasn't framed. If, if we were somehow able to go back and frame it, reframe it as a limited series, like promotionally and stuff, yeah. then I think people would be like, "All right, I can't wait to see the rest of the season." But I feel like, unfortunately, people now, having learned that the show's not coming back for season two, are like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to watch this anymore. Right. Like, if we could have just called it limited series from the a, beginning, a summer it would have been, been better. Yeah, yeah. A summer event type but of But whatever. That's fine. It was fun. We had fun, for sure. Met some great people. Good. Well. Yeah. Including you. Well, thank including you very you. much. Jason. That's, that's all you can ask for in life. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Thanks for being our host. Absolutely. It's, it's been an absolute fantastic meeting you guys. Yeah. And, I will miss uh, your wardrobe. And it's this so good. It's been a lot, a lot of fun. <laughs> Um, so I guess we'll leave it right there. All right. That's it for the crossing podcast. Thanks so much for joining us for these past 10 or so weeks. Uh, and thanks so much to the creators of the show, Dan Dwork and Jay Beattie for their insights every week. Thank thanks. you guys. Thank for, you, for doing this. Really Over appreciate it. The crossing podcast is a production of brick moon fiction. I'm ABC radios, Jason Nathanson. Hopefully we'll cross paths in the future. <laughs>